greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Welcome to Winds of Change. I'm your host and Bible teacher, uh, Keith McKenzie. Uh, this week I'm doing a pastoral uh, and a leadership uh, study called the, the Bema Seat. And uh, this is all about judgment and rewards. Um, so I, I trust you'll be blessed in this. The first 10 minutes, I'm going to try and just outline for a, a brief introduction, and then we'll get into this, into the, uh, the five crowns that are presented throughout Scripture. But anyway, uh, this teaching was birthed in me uh, when I was in the uh, foyer and we were fellowshipping at a church, and uh, there was some murmuring going on, a little bit of complaining that, oh, we can't get anybody to do any help around here, and everything like that. And I was speaking to the uh, director of discipleship, and I said, well, have you tried uh, teaching them the, the Bema seat? And I kind of got a, a little blank stare, nothing. It was just a flat line, didn't have any idea what I was talking about. But anyway, the principle of the Bema seat, okay, is it's an award ceremony. Like we have the ESPYs, we have the Country Music Awards, we have the Oscars, okay? This is an award ceremony and it's based on our works here and it is also based on not just our work but the motive for which we did that work. So it goes far deeper than um, numbers of uh, you know, seats in a sanctuary or how many tracts that we handed out or, or, or how many TV stations we might be on. Whatever it is, God knows the true motive. Okay, but the idea, the historical idea behind the Bema seat is a, in scriptures, uh, in 2 Corinthians and 1 Corinthians, it's mentioned as the, the judgment seat. Pilate sat on one, Herod sat on one, and the, the idea we want to communicate here today is that God is our ultimate judge. All right. In this judgment seat, the Bema seat is not to be confused with the great white throne. Bema seat is for believers and rewards. The great white throne is judgment, condemnation, where it is meted out and you're either at this one or you're at that one. So this is for believers and this also should be an encouragement and, and designed to uh, teach the, the church that it's not just you know one and done when you get saved that there's work to be done on the Lord's behalf salvation is a free gift alright but we are created unto good works and James says faith without works is dead so there's a balance here that um, we're saved by grace but we're also created unto good works because there's there's work to be done for the kingdom and it's not just for the staff and the lay people and the people around the church and the ushers there's other work to be done communicating the gospel sharing praying if you can't do anything there's the ministry of intercession which is people praying for people and people we never ever see and they're gonna get great rewards for the work that they've done in laboring in prayer but the idea of the Bema seat is the um, an Olympic judge, okay? 
back in, in the days that this was the cultural relevance is that the, the Olympic judge would have a seat that would be elevated so they would have a good view of the games and this judge would judge who was coming across the line first, second, third and that judge would be the one who meted out the rewards, the gold, the silver and the bronze. And so um, today we have timing systems and stuff like that, but on our heavenly judge, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ, he will judge us on how we've run the race of faith as outlined in Hebrews. All right, and you know, they talk about striving for a crown. You know, don't strive, the apostle said, don't strive for a crown that perishes, but strive for one that endures. These are eternal rewards that we get. Because some people, quite frankly, they just, they're not even sure what heaven's all about. It's, it's a place that um, everybody assumes that they're going to, but they don't really understand what it's about or some people might have the idea you remember the the, the pictures of uh, the cherub just sitting on the cloud like this you know or one cloud one harp bloom, 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 you know for every believer no it's not going to be that way at all heaven is going to be awesome heaven is going to be about God opening up the infinite God to a finite man just revealing I believe just one facet of who he is. It talks about, you know, that he might uh, reveal himself to us in the ages to come, the exceeding riches of his glory for those that love him. And we're going to be part of that. It's very exciting. But the judgment seat, all right, it's God is high. He is, he is the most high. He is high and lifted up. And it says in 2 Corinthians uh, 5, and let me go ahead and read it right out of scriptures, okay? And it says, um, the judgment seat of Christ, all right? I'm going to just back up a little bit into uh, 5 verse 1. It says, for we know that if our earthly house, our body, this tent is destroyed, we have a building from God, that's our upgrade in the heavens, all right, and that says, uh, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed with the habitation. That word is okotarion, which we have from heaven. It's what we, if you're a Christian, this is what you groan, this is what you earn for to be in heaven. God has put eternity in the hearts of believers, in everybody, really. And it says, um, if indeed we have been clothed, we shall not be found naked, okay? For we are in this tent, okay, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed that, that mortality might be swallowed up in life. Now he who has prepared us this very thing is God. And it says we also have the Spirit as a guarantee. That's his Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. It says we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in this body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, pleased, well pleased rather, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Verse 9, the judgment seat of Christ. It says, therefore... Make it our aim, okay, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him, 
all right? For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, all right? And it says that each one may receive things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad, all right? Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Do we persuade men? But we are well known to God, and I also trust are well known in your conscience also. But anyway, we have right there, he says we are, you know, the, the, he talks about the terror of the Lord. That is, in, in Proverbs, it says the beginning of wisdom is fear of the Lord. All right? There's certain things you wouldn't do in your house growing up and in your bedroom you wouldn't do because you didn't want your dad to see you, all right? But it also says that God sees all things. He's that judge. He's high and lifted up. He sees how we're running this race of faith, and he wants to bless you. And if you stick around for the back half of this study, I'm going to open up and show you some more scriptures on this and the crowns that we have that eventually in Revelation 4.10 as the picture of the church there, slaying their crowns, casting their crowns before the Lord. But anyway, there will be a day when there's no more tears, when God gives us the rewards for eternal life. We hope you're blessed in that. All right. Well, if you're sticking around for the, the, uh, the more meaty part of the subject that was just an outline but let's just go ahead and take a little bit deeper look here over the rest of this uh, session and see what the Lord has for us in this because it's it's by largely I found untaught in the church and this is an excellent way to communicate to the body of Christ to get people motivated because if they're not thinking about these things where we're, we tend to be more earthly oriented we tend to be busy about our our business and our day-to-day -day travels and we we're not really heavenly minded and i want you to almost think of this as like a heavenly 401k that we can pay into because jesus said lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where thief and moth and rust you know corrode here, earthly treasures, and we've seen what happens with Wall Street. It's mood swings like a, like a teenage girl some, some days. But we have, you know, in heaven, he says, you know, these things, thieves don't break in. You know, we don't have any Bernie Madoffs in heaven, you know, creating junk bonds. This is God's rewards, all right? So let's go ahead and take a look at this. I think you'll find this study interesting, and it'll bless you. All right, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we have um, right here, it says, Do you not know those who run in a race, all right, there's that Olympic uh, reference, but in all run the race, but one receives the prize. He says, run in a, such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things, knowing that they do not obtain a perishable crown, all right, because they would give them a crown of leaves of laurels and stuff, and that would definitely fade and die. And it says, now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we an imperishable crown. 
And that's one of the first crowns right there, the imperishable crown. It says, thus I fight not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. But lest I have preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. All right. But anyway, over in, uh, that was the imperishable crown. And we'll, we'll unpack some of those other crowns. But um, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Also, uh, just a little sidebar here. Corinthians, 1 and 2 Corinthians were written by the Apostle Paul to a church in Corinth, which was a, it was a very uh, carnal church, kind of like Christians gone wild. We had uh, all kinds of things going on. We even had, you know, uh, uh, people within the church sleeping with uh, their, their mother. I mean, it was crazy stuff. They had um, part of their culture was, uh, you know, deeply pagan. They had uh, um, this type of incest going on. They had uh, other uh, types. They had uh, part of the worship back then was, uh, you know, temple sacrifice, eating sacrifices offered to demon gods. They also had uh, part of those temple sacrifices. They might have uh, uh, prostitution is, is part of that because a lot of these were wrapped up in these ancient uh, fertility cults. But anyway, uh, it was a very carnal church and uh, today we have um, different issues within the, the church and uh, we have a lot of babes in Christ we have a lot of carnal Christians and uh, Paul wrote this uh, epistle 1st and 2nd Corinthians to, to remind people by a way to stir up their minds like Peter says stir up your minds into a pure heart that what we're doing here okay shouldn't cause division amongst us all right but we should understand that we're working towards uh, eternal rewards if we keep these things in perspective. So 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Sex is, is carnal and sin. So a sect being a different divisions within the church. So this is what the Apostle Paul brings up. He says, I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as carnal. All right. As to babes in Christ, I fed you with milk. All right, and not with solid food. So he says, you're still babies. He goes, I want to give you some meat. He goes, but you're still babies. All right, so, and he, he goes through and he expounds that. I commit it to your, uh, your study on your own. And it says, I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you still are not, for you are still carnal. All right, you're still worried about earthly things, he means. He says, for, there were not en for where there is not envy, strife, divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like men? That's why we have so many different denominations, because we're behaving like men. We're fighting with each other. We're not, we're not united as the body of Christ. And that's the plea here. It's also the Lord Jesus Christ's prayer that we might all be one as he is one, a body. But yeah, there's differences. My hand is different from my foot and my eye and my ear. They all have a very important function within the body. And yet somehow we feel like as a body that we are more important than another part of the body. 
and, and that's wrong. God says that's sin and that makes you carnal. So we should put those things aside. But he puts it right here. He says, for when one says, I am Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? I'm a Presbyterian. I'm a Baptist. I'm a, a you know, charismatic. What, whatever it is, he says, are you not carnal? All right? And it says, who then is Paul, or who is Apollos, or who is Calvin, or who is you know, some of the other ancient ch uh, church leaders through the, the, the years, you know, the Methodists, the Wesleyans. We have all these, and, and these are where all these came from, all right? And it says, I planted, all right? And he says, um, let me back up a little bit. Who then is Paul and who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed? All right, that's our job. We're ministers so that you might believe in Jesus, not Paul or Apollos. All right, it says, I planted, all right, Apollos watered, God gave the increase. That's by his Holy Spirit. Nobody gets saved without first the Holy Spirit drawing that person. And it says, so then neither is he who plants anything, nor is he who waters anything, but it's God who gives the increase. And it says, now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward. Ooh, there we go, reward. So there's rewards here for working, all right? We don't work for the reward for the express purpose of getting that reward. We work because out of a grateful heart of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us by taking our sins upon himself on the cross and what transpired there, we cannot comprehend. All right? But out of that grateful heart of somebody that's done something lavished on us, something so great, a gift so great that there's nothing we can do to repay that, but out of that gratitude, we, we labor, we, we do things on behalf of the Lord. If, he, if somebody gave you an extravagant gift, all right, it was, uh, let's, let's use something extravagant, gave you a billion dollars, and uh, then that person asked you to do something, all right, wouldn't you out of a grateful heart do it? I'm sure some of you would say, well, I wouldn't do it, I got a billion dollars, I don't need to do anything. Well, then you are not right with God, all right? I'm just using that as an example, okay? So, out of this grateful heart, we shall each one shall receive a, war, a reward according to his own labor. So what I'm doing here, when the, when the pastor and the preachers teach, the, the people who lead the Sunday school, the prayer teams, the intercession teams, people who are, uh, you know, feeding the hungry, there's, there's a reward for those labors because they're being the hands and feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's looking for people to be his hands and his feet. That's how God has shown. He wants to show that, um, when Jesus put it this way, he says, people will know that you are my disciples, okay? He says, when you love each other. Love fulfills the law. Love hits the mark, all right? Love um, doesn't sin, all right? Love always does the right thing, okay? 
In verse 9, it says, For we are God's fellow workers, and you are God's field, and you are God's building. So there's this idea of a harvest field, okay? We're working in the fields. We're also, as Peter put it, we're, we're building up a spiritual house that each one of us are living stones. So we're part of that building. We're part of that heavenly building. And... Uh, God wants, he uses lots of natural uh, metaphors to communicate spiritual truths. So right here, and that's one of the, the things rewards does. It communicates a spiritual truth, okay? So, for we are God's fellow workers and you are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed to how he builds on it, for no other foundation is laid can anyone lay than which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. All right? So if you're building a foundation, and there's plenty of people who build it on secular humanism, uh, the foundation of Darwinism, which is evolution, um, Buddha, Krishna, uh, avatars, Allah, Whatever it is, Joseph Smith, um, Charles Russell Taze, whoever your foundation is, if it's not Jesus Christ, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the Bible, then you are building a house on, like Jesus said, uh, shifting sand. Um, everybody's seen what happens to a, a sandcastle when the tides come in. He said the waters, when the rains came and the waters beat on it, he says that house fell. But he who builds on the rock, all right, and those are the ones who listen to God's word, pay attention to God's word, believe God's word, all right? Believing what he has to say is faith, faith in action, all right? So he says, I've laid the foundation and another builds on it. So I'm building on this foundation, but I'm trying to be careful to build on that foundation because that foundation is Christ. You're always going to hear that from this ministry. And it says, now if anyone builds on this foundation, okay, that's Christ. If we're building on Christ, okay, and we're not building it on uh, man's vision or we're building it on pastor so-and-so, or, you know, whatever type of thing it is, if it's about God, if it's about the Lord Jesus Christ, he says you're building it, that's a good foundation, all right? And one of the key things is if you're thinking about your foundation, all right, if something were to happen to a person or a building, how would that affect your work for the Lord? that foundation might not be very secure. So you need to consider that. That's why he says we need to be wise master builders, okay? And we need to consider, we need to count the cost. We need to know if we can proceed. Do we have enough to finish this? And it says, um, now if anyone builds on this foundation, that's Christ, with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, says each one's work, which was communicated there in those different elements, all right, said uh, that for the day, each one's work will become clear 
for the day. What day is that? That's the day of, of judgment where this beam of seat judgment happens. It says it will become clear for the day will declare it because each one will re be revealed by fire. That's testing. All right. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so is through fire. Do you not know that you are the temple of God, and, if, and that, that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. And it says, let no one deceive himself. All right, self-deception. If anyone among you seems wise in this age, I love the way the Apostle Paul puts this, let him become a fool that he may become wise. All right? For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. All right? It says, For it is written, He catches the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise. They are futile. Therefore, let no one boast in men, okay, whether that's Paul or Apollos or Pastor so-and-so. That's not to be our focus. Paul says that's carnal, all right? He says you're being a baby. He wants to give you strong meat, strong uh, meat and for the word. So we don't uh, let that boast in men. For you, he says right here in verse 21, says, Therefore, let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos, Cephas, okay, that's Peter, or the word of life or death, or things present or things to come, all are yours, and you are Christ, and Christ is God. So it, there is that, that foundational um, belief right there, how Christ has the foundation, and there's that, that natural transfer.